Music must mean one thing. It's the return of Whiskey Unscripted. Let me guess, let me guess, season seven, episode three. Good afternoon. There's been a bit of a, there's been a bit of a gap between two and three. Um I'm afraid folks, we've been a bit busy with holidays and being away and a whole range of different things. So hence the gap, but it's great to be back. It is great to be back, Gordon. And on that a topic of gaps. Rosebank stills going very quiet and then working again, 30 years. Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick, 36 years. And one of the biggest gaps between albums, ABBA, 39 years, 11 months and six days between albums. That's longer, Gordon, than the last time you bought me around. So gaps are in show business. Just live with it. Yeah, it is. No, absolutely. And yeah, for those who maybe don't know what we're sort of aiming at here, we did fill the first cask of Rosebank this week, which was fabulous. Um, cask number one. Oh, yes. Filled by, filled by Leonard Russell. Um, and that is a the end of a long journey. Um, and um, yeah, a really, really exciting moment. So now this, fabulous. We just talked about this being a little update and we're going to do a show... With Malcolm Rennie, the manager, maybe even Leonard, we're going to do a Rosebank, and we'll catch up with other uh, whiskies out there. And but this is just a little catch up with ourselves. But what mm. you were there, Gordon? You were. I there. was, and you know, it was it was an amazing thing to see. It was a it was a refill bourbon barrel, um, which is what we would expect for Rosebank, the type of casks we're going to be using. Very much a spirit driven whiskey, but. Um, yeah, really good to see it getting filled. I mean, it wasn't, if I'm honest, when you're there, it was great to see everybody there, but the filling process is a bit like filling up your car, if I'm honest. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's like watching somebody put petrol in their car, if yeah. I'm honest. But uh, it was still very exciting either end of that. And uh, to have a filled cask is fabulous. And I don't know when we'll see that one in market, but uh, yeah, no, great, great day after. You know, this was announced back in October, 2017 so we're close to six years after we announced anything about rosebank so yeah it's a long long journey and i don't want to preempt speak to malcolm and maybe even been there mm. but what's it like it's oh, all look, I, i've had last a time i was there the stills were coming in there was no roof so what's it like just as a building I, it, look as a building it's unbelievably amazing it's it's a beautiful layout beautiful design um, and people will be able to see it from next year. We're we're not going to be having really any visits until next year. But, you know, there's a very, very obvious, you know, sort of flow through production, how the distillery works, unlike the old Rosebank, which was very disjointed. So, um, you know, really, really excited to, uh, to, you know, have people there next year. But also, um, you know, the other thing is, of course, is that Malcolm's working really hard to iron out one or two small things as well there so yes. you know it's it's the same with all new distilleries but to have a spirit now is fabulous and uh congratulations to him and the team they've made a really really made a really lovely spirit so um we'll see that we'll, we'll we'll speak to speak to malcolm next time oh, yes okay lots of and, and of course it's we're not the only ones there's lots of new distilleries yes. out there which i'd like to get my teeth right into maybe the next episode but one i think it's capturing a lot of attention is the is it the UK or the world's only vertical distillery? In the, yes. Yes. The Port of Leith. 
Do you know not, much about what's happening down there? I, I don't, if I'm honest, and I have been promised a visit, and I must go. But like all these things, Gordon, as you know, we're quite busy doing what we need to do. Yes. Um, and it, we do have to remember to look up and see what else other people are doing and go and visit other distilleries and things like that. But well, you, you know, know them. I have to. You, I do you know have them to go. Well. And see, yeah, we do know them, and you know, it would be lovely to go and see them a vertical distillery. And I think, obviously, you know, lack of pumps, gravity does a lot of the work, so um, that's always good. Um, so I'm I'm intrigued to see how that works, but I must get there. But there's yeah, as you say, there's so many other small distilleries all over the place. Um, yeah, you know, and and distilleries opening up. Um, Moffat Distillery is one which I've come across very recently. A little distillery run by a couple down in Moffat in the Borders. You know, not a particularly big distillery, but um, you know, like very small, but yeah. going to have a great visitor experience. These things are fabulous, you know, and it's great to just see the diversity of whiskey distilleries now. That's the, um, I, I you know, hopefully got a little bit of history in this show, but that is what they're saying about booms and busts from the past, the present, mm -hmm. the Victorian. This was, a, we're looking like what happened in the 1890s, but what didn't happen in the 1890s was maybe that diversity. Not only the tourism you've just mentioned, but a great visitor experience wrapped around that Moffat place, but just different sizes and different shapes and different styles. Mm. It's so much well, more diverse. Well, totally. And I think that's because single malt is now a thing. Mm. You know, 100 odd years ago, even 50 years ago, single malt was a blend ingredient for want of a better. It was a feature of blends. It wasn't. So each single malt wasn't a brand in itself. It was just a business to business transactions here by some of my, you know, Rosebank as a top dresser or by some of my, yes. you know, my Isla or whatever. Now it's a totally different sphere, totally different, you know, market. And what will it be like in, in eight, nine, 10 years when we see that new Rosebank from cask one coming out, that'll be interesting to see. Okay. Okay. God, that's going to be great. So we're not even, that's just a little preamble to what yeah. are you drinking? But later on, if you uh, stay with the podcast, I um, want to talk a little bit about travel retail, mm -hmm. cocktails, with our latest colleague that's joining us, uh, Ian McLeod's. We'll be hearing from Ooh. Mike Brown, talking cocktails. But also, Gordon, we've travelled. I want to talk about travelling. And I just think, could we put together, between now and the end of the podcast, and you know nothing about this, a little seaside, whiskies by the seaside. Because in this hot weather... And we're having all over Europe, apart from maybe Scotland. Right? Oh, I do like to be beside the seaside. And if there's a distillery mm -hmm. right next to it, even better. <laughs> okay. So, so let's do... try and put that together, Gordon. Oh, I do. Well, I mean, there's all. There's a... What? Well, I mean, the ones that spring to mind immediately are things right. like, you know, the ones on Isla, obviously. Ah, yes, yes. Okay. By so... the sea. So you've probably got I'm, I'm probably six or seven by the sea. So got Isla there. By the sea, so just put them in maybe six or seven there on Isla. Yeah, or seven or eight, so just get to Isla, sea. get to the seaside, boom, that's it. Before we get into that, my first question is, what are you drinking? Oh right, that was what was going to say. Sorry, all that, all that to come. But first, what are you drinking? Well, I'm in. I'm actually uh, in the office at, as we currently speak, and what I'm what I've got in front of me, or oh. or uh, is a is a batch strength. Um, I've got a little little bit of batch strength number one, funnily enough, from Tamdu, um, which I've got a little bit of a 
a little bit of a tiny little bit in the glass just to have a little nose of and I'm actually driving, to be honest, so I'm not uh, drinking it, but a little bit of bat strength number one, which you cannot get a hold of. Um, A fabulous, fabulous whiskey. The first bat strength from Tamdu, of course, all sherry cask. Beautiful. Yes. What about yourself? Oh, that's lovely. I am drinking what I, why we've not done the podcast, I'm drinking the reason we haven't recorded. And I'm drinking a little Isle of Sky 12-year-old. Oh, yes. It's an absolute... Cracking blended whiskey. We're going to talk about blends shortly, but this is mm-hmm. a combination of Thailand whiskies, honeyed sweetness, combined with the island whiskies. You know, mm. Sky will be in there. That smokiness as well. And it comes together. Lovely uh, 12 year olds. And it's aged, mm. Gordon. It's a blend that's been aged. So it goes from 8 to 12. To 18 to 21, 25, and 30, and the 12 was going great guns in the States where I was traveling. So, where did you go in the States, Gordon? Well, actually, I don't know if it was planned, but Ian McLeod sent Gordon Dallas to Dallas, which you know, Mm. Debbie does Dallas, Dallas does Dallas. It was a wonderful trip with Isla Sky through Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington on a plane down to Houston and then did about two, three days around the circuits of Houston. Now, two things came out of this trip. I'd never been to the States before. And I'd never... Is your been... first time in the US? Yes. Yes. We do Europe and, you know, I do seasides <laughs> in the UK. Personally, you've never been in the US? No. 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 Oh, what did you think of the US? It was... Well, that's my point. I have never been to these liquor stores. I've heard of them. And I was not expecting, uh, and people listening to this in the States will think, well, what's, what's we just do not have that kind of size and breadth of choice in the UK. The liquor stores, and this one was Total Wines, were simply phenomenal. I just wish we had them here, Gordon. Discuss liquor stores. I just couldn't believe it. Well, let, let's just go with the thing about Everything in America is bigger. Yeah. <laughs> generally better. Not always, but generally bigger. Everything's bigger. Um, cars, everything's bigger. The country, bigger. Yeah. The roads, bigger. The liquor stores, bigger. Yeah, I mean, Total Wine & More is really transforming the um, U.S. liquor market. And, uh, you know, it's a great, great sort of business model. And we we, we do sell some of our whiskeys via Total Wine & More. And, um yeah, no, it's, it's it, as I, you know, from I your I believe, Gordon, sorry to cut across, I believe it's because their supermarkets where you buy food are restricted from selling spirits and maybe beers and light alcohols, like wines. That's and, right. Is that right? Very different to the UK where you have wine aisles and beer aisles. And and that's true in, in quite a lot of places. Um, Holland is similar. You have to go into a separate part of the supermarket to buy alcohol. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, whereas in, in the UK, you just wander down that wine aisle and you stick in your bottle of, you know, whiskey or your bottle of wine in with your bananas and your cereal yep. or whatever. And before I went, Gordon, I would say that's what I want. I like freedom. I want to go to my supermarket and not have to go to another store somewhere. After visiting <laughs> these liquor stores and total, I would say, yes, I will trade off. Only being able to buy maybe yeah. years of wines in that super. If I could go to a huge yeah. store with well-educated staff that know know their stuff. 
yeah, look, I think if you have a separate store like Total Wine, you have a larger selection than you would ever have in a normal supermarket like we have in the UK. So you go to a big UK supermarket, it's maybe a cup, maybe a couple of aisles. There's only so many bottles they'll have on the shelf. Whereas in Total Wine, it's a warehouse. Effectively, yeah. it's a you know, it's, it's a wine and spirits warehouse, and 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 they serve a great purpose. But that that is not to the detriment of a specialist whiskey store as well, which is a really important way of understanding your whiskey and maybe getting even those more sort of diverse bottles than even total wine may have so you know there's there's two or three things to look at total wine serves an absolute purpose as does a specialist like whiskey store um in the states or here and i think uh, what was interesting for my visit i'd like to hear where you were gordon but for my visit decided not to to drive myself i've never driven in the states and, that was a good idea. and i thought being the people it's, you know with firearms are Licensed. I didn't want to cut MD up, but didn't want to be cut up by other. So I, I took Ubers everywhere. And I tell you what, if you want to um, see America and understand uh, the Americans, being in maybe 24, 25 Ubers with 24, 25 different people from the States is mm. a fascinating. Mm. And I'm not going to details apart from my Puerto Rican chap one phone, one hand in the wheel, one hand in the phone, screaming at someone down the phone and another in Spanish while leaving the freeway because it was full to go into a small road to go back on the freeway. <laughs> I took a video of it just in case I never made it home. But it was fascinating to see uh, the States and mm. I would love to go back again. Absolutely great people, great thirst for Scotch whiskey. And on that point of Isla Sky, I'm not because there's other great whiskies on the shelves, but what they really enjoyed, Gordon, not only was the video from Isle of Skye itself, very popular across here in the States, Isle of Skye, it's like Middle Earth, it's like something like Game of Thrones, so it goes down very well when you shoot videos of it. The whiskey itself, aged, down very well, but also a little rumour about Al Capone coming across in the late 1920s, possibly to play golf on Isle of Skye with the original Ian McLeod. So only a rumour, but that went down very well. And when I come back, I went on to the internet just to search Al Capone in Scotland. And yes, his great... When did... Yeah, his great granddaughter. His great granddaughter. Um, and maybe my niece, I've got the book up here. I was reading a wee bit of it yesterday. Did write about Al Capone, her uncle's secret trips to America, from America to St Andrews, almost definitely, and um, was it Turnberry as well? He got a set of golf clubs made that they were flown back to the States. So he was in Scotland. I think it's indisputable. Whether he made it to the Isle of Skye, it's only a rumour on the island. But all these things go down very well, Gordon. And when I was researching that last couple of days, up comes a Polish company called Bartex Bartol, who created a Tommy gun whiskey bottle in the shape of a Tommy gun, which the Portman Group, we look at after Scotch whiskey, said you cannot have a bottle of whiskey in the shape of a gun. Uh, the connection between alcohol and violence uh, is... But they were just trying to recreate that Capone era of prohibition in America. So it's still making news headlines today. So there That's we go. unbelievable. All these... Well, uh, I mean, it's interesting. I've come up with a few... Since I've been in whiskey, I've come across a few stories obviously with Capone. I'm just going to mention a couple which are, are quite interesting. 
I used to go to Kentucky a lot. Oh, yeah. And I used to stay in the Sealback Hilton, which is a very famous hotel in Louisville. And in there, Capone was well known to frequent the Sealback. Um, and um, he, there used to be special hiding areas within the, the hotels that when the authorities came, he could hide and not be found in the Sealback while obviously doing some dodgy dealings during Prohibition. There's a prime example. The other one that springs to mind was when I went to Canadian Club. Um, uh, Canadian Club is just over the water from Detroit, so it's it's in Windsor in Canada, literally over the water. So you fly into Detroit, you get the you get a taxi through the tunnel through the border, and you're in you're in Canada, but you're literally just over the over the river from Detroit. And in Canadian in the Canadian Club Visitor Center, I used to work for Canadian Club, part of Beam Suntory. There's a there's a there's a meeting room at the bottom of it, and um, I was in there with the, with uh, the the Canadian Club um, team, and there's you know there's bullet holes in the wall of this thing, and and you know this is where he used to come and you know obviously during prohibition obviously get over the water from the from Detroit and start to uh, get some of that good old liquor getting imported into uh, into illegally imported into America during prohibition, so. You know his his influence in whiskey was huge, and um, uh, certainly some interesting stories. So it'd be interesting oh. to see if he ever was on Sky. I ever was on Sky. I know it's, I love it. I'm just holding you up a book, and um, you should I will do more about books and whiskey. One of my favourites, and we don't know much about Alan Andrews, but he wrote a book called The Whiskey Barons, and it's about all the whiskey barons like Haig uh, and Jew becoming lords uh, of of the British Empire by their whiskey making. But there's a lovely picture in it of Legs Diamond going to Berry Brothers in St. James's who are purveyors of spirits and wines to the king. And here's Legs Diamond walking down the street with his nose bent and two henchmen each side of him. And they were going literally with cash in hand to buy Cutty Sark and any other whiskey that Berry Brothers would sell them and ship to the Bahamas. It's a great book. Unbelievable. The Irish said, no, 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 we're not going to sell to organised crime and other members of the British retail establishment said, organise what? No, 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 no. I am... Walked past Berry Brothers the other day when I was in London. I was in London a couple of weeks ago and walked straight past Berry Brothers. It's a, oh. it's always something to behold. I believe there's... There historically was tunnels from the... Was tunnels it? from the um, from the uh, cellars of Berry Brothers straight into the... Uh, something like that. Straight into the... Uh, Right, the the royal well, palaces as well. That would be a lovely visit to go and see, Gordon. Um, we've not even touched on the news. As well, part of the podcast, whiskey unscripted, we're recording here, and we'll tell you it is sort of end of get on to the last week in July, twenty twenty three. Anything that's caught your eye? I think some sad news, but anything else that's caught your eye in the world of whiskey? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's a little bit of sad news. Um, uh, unfortunately, um. If you go, if you come to Glasgow, people always talk about probably two whiskey bars that you would go to, the Pot Still and the the Bon Accord. Um, the Bon Accord in Charing Cross has been a whiskey bar that I think in the last 10, 15 years has become one of the best in the world. Um, offers a different experience to the Pot Still, um, and was run by a gentleman called Paul McDonough who was one a larger than life character whose love of whiskey and love of the the sort of pub atmosphere created a fantastic pub called the Bon Accord. And I've spent a lot of time in there. I'm a member of the Bon Accord Whiskey Club, having done a tasting there. And 
unfortunately he passed away this week and just some of the tributes we've seen online from you know his influence um you know across the industry is huge he was involved in setting up and and building up the glasgow whiskey festival he really is uh, someone who always had a smile always had time for you and it's a real sad sad time that he's not with us anymore so i want to raise a little bit of my my whiskey to him to to paul um we will miss you my friend and thank you for everything you've done for this industry wonderful words gordon wonderful words and like early 60s i mean far too early yeah i think far too early yeah i i I don't know the ins and outs but just yeah far too early unfortunately so and and again Um, so we will miss him we have absolutely and the 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 whiskey festival that was as you see part of an integral to is going to grow and grow and that'll be a great testament and a great legacy mm. they talk about you know um yeah so that's wonderful gordon it's the middle of summer there's not much news ar- around many releases during the summer months or is are they all stacking up for the autumn and in winter well, that i mean i was i was thinking about this i think there's quite a lot of whiskies coming um, you know, I think if you look at the new distilleries that have launched whiskies in the last couple of years, there's been quite a lot, you know, and there's still a hell of a lot of new distilleries that haven't released anything. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the, um, you know, the ones like, uh, oh, what's it called? I'm trying to remember what it's called now. Um, oh, just past Tor Moor when you're driving up to Speyside. Um, Ballandalach. Ah, Ballandalach, yes. I don't think, has released a whiskey as yet. And that's been there for a while. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that'll be quite interesting. Um, and then you think of all the other distilleries which we've heard of. And, you know, some of them have released some things and some haven't. And it'd be interesting to see how some of these distilleries continue to decide at what point they're going to release something. Because you've got to remember, the economics of making whiskey at the moment are way, way higher than they probably have been so you know it, it depends on a lot of different things in terms of you know how, how they're funded and things like that when to release it and all that um another topic gordon before we get our mike brown on uh to talk cocktails and to do a couple of challenges oh by the way the coastal top 10 could i um and it's a place i used to go on holiday could i forward the distillery of brora right up there in the north of scotland on the east yeah. coast not only famous for a, a football team, um, but a couple of great golf courses. If you like your golf, I used to play Brora myself. In fact, one of my best rounds ever was in the course of Brora. And if you ever go up there, now there's a wonderful distillery, but the golf course has got that electrified fence around the greens to stop the shit ah, yes. nibbling the greens. And you just have to step over the small fence. And I remember my friend saying, I don't think it's electrified. It was. And so Brora is quite nice little seaside top 10 gordon's given us isla there's brora and we'll come back to it. gordon maybe mike will give us a, a couple as well but just yeah, there's another one that i like to bring up oh yes there's another one that i think is is goes against a lot of what you think about distilleries and their location for me this is almost the sort of antithesis of where it is to a certain extent so if we go to orkney we think of Highland Park, but there is another distillery in Orkney. There is. Scapa. Hey, Scapa. Now, Scapa is by the sea, um, but it doesn't have that. It's a light style whiskey. It has, it doesn't have that sort of 
by the sea style. It, it's for me, it's always been a little bit more of that sort of lighter sort of typical. I don't know. You wouldn't, you know, if if you picked it up, you wouldn't necessarily think it was. You know, mm -hmm. it was it was it was a look. It was located where it is, if you know what I mean. And there are those examples of um, the fact that I guess it's to do with the production, um, the type of casks they use. Um, but it really has a style that doesn't reflect where it's from, in my in my view. That's very good. So if you listen to this, have a think about other coasts. Doesn't need to be Scotland. Could be down in England. Could be Wales. Could be across the, in the states. But just a little seaside for our sort of holiday. It's a late July podcast. Uh, Gordon, before we get Mike on, we talked about travelling. And mm. I have to oh, say, yeah. um, you always get there early because I was always you know, worried about missing the flight. How good is it to ponder and browse these travel retail shops in the airports? Are you a fan of walking around travel retail? And could you explain the differences between the whiskey outside an airport and inside the airports? Well, if I'm honest... I would say that for years, and I'm probably talking five, six, seven, eight years ago, travel retail was a dearth of whiskey, if I'm honest. Okay. I thought the offerings in travel retail were pretty awful. Uh, a bit vanilla, a litre of vanilla type right. sort of thing. Trying to give people cheap. Was it most yeah, of them and you were buying a litre bottles, big. and I thought it was a bit of a dumping ground for, for average single malt, if I'm honest, for some brands. And... The key things to remember is that that's probably changed now. Um, and travel retail, I think, will become a really powerful area because I think there's two things that will affect it. Uh, the first is that um, they will be getting rid of that 100 mil traveling liquid ah. thing, which I think will make more people more confident about buying travel retail products. Because? Because at the moment, I think if you're transferring on a flight ah, and yes. you don't really know, so if you're from, you know, if you've yep, done that, you know, if you're flying from Scotland to somewhere, you generally go through London or Amsterdam or Frankfurt or something like that. And I think people go, I want to buy a bottle of whiskey, but I'm not too convinced about the, the sort of aspect of that 100 mil things. And, and it's not clear when you, you know, no. so I think that's got something to do with it. Um, I think the other thing is, of course, that I think travel retail will become more and more popular. So so historically, what has been done and will always be done is that we produce a different range for travel retail so that there's no issues in terms of pricing with relation to the domestic market. Also, right. generally at the lower price points in travel retail, you get a litre bottle. Mm -hmm. That's really linked to the fact that most countries have a sort of one litre, two litre limit on what you can bring in. So having a litre bottle rather than a 700 mil bottle makes a lot more sense. Um, so so there's that. And I think if we look at Asia, uh, travel retail's always been big in, in Asia and I think it will grow and it's a really important channel. And I think in Europe, it's it's will come back from where it's been. America's the one where it's never really been the size it it, it has done because 90 percent of flights in america are internal yeah so it's really only the big airports the sort of atlantas and the you know those type of airports that have any real travel retail offering san francisco la because you're going to asia or uh, australia or something like that but um i think travel retail will become 
really, really Im a real important market. And I generally, from a consumer perspective, think the quality of the whiskies and the diversity of the whiskies is only going to improve. Well, that's excellent. Um, and we that's produce it. some cracking whiskies well, just in. I've got a little list. I've got a little list uh, of others, but I just thought yeah. since we are a producer ourselves and we're in there, um, what's the highlights that Ian McLeod have got inside the airports that people mm. might want to look out for that's maybe different from the shelves outside? Yeah, I mean the one that stand. There's a few that stand out for me. Um, uh, Tamdu Tam Grand Reserva. What a wonderful whiskey! That is a first fill only, limited edition, forty six percent all sherry cask European oak. Brilliant whiskey, mm -hmm. fabulous, and from a Glengoyne angle, um, I think the the only product we actually finish in our whole range, which is a fifteen year old finished in Pedro Jimenez casks, what yeah. a wonderful whiskey that is, and and it just shows you finishing is a is very much a valid option for whiskey, even though we don't generally do a lot of it. This whiskey drives a brilliant sort of rich style finish. So those two whiskeys are a real standout for me in travel retail. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, across the across the range, across the the scope of whiskies now, there is a better offering than there was five years ago in travel retail, which is great for everybody. Well, here we go. Just before we get Mike on, I'm Matt, Matt Chambers. I'm, I'm going to give him a saw him the other week. Did you? He's put together a lovely article on travel retail from the last day uh, six eight months. Matt Chambers behind the is it not whiskey for, for everyone whiskey for everyone sorry whiskey for well done matt so matt gordon just a wee comment on his top, top takes in travel retail or ones that he says are very interesting here we go ballantines 23 year olds he said it's a obviously it's a blends high proportion of single malt and single grain whiskies a lovely again an aged blend gordon we talked about that with there's not many of them no there's not many aged blends. Ballantine's a legendary name in Scotch whisky. I'm sure it's fabulous. I've not tasted it. Here's one that you'll know of, but you cannot walk through many airports without seeing a picture of a motor car, which is an Aston Martin. And of course, it's the Bowmore Aston Martin 10-year-old. I haven't tasted it for a while. I'm sure it is. a Look, the Bowmore, in my book, produces some really good whiskies. I think the 10-year-old is probably either 40 or 43. Uh, I'm just trying to think what the cask Warpy. makeup of it is. I can't quite remember. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's sherry and bourbon. Eighteen, but it doesn't it doesn't break it down there? But yeah, I think, I think it's right. sherry and bourbon, from yeah, what bourbon. I can remember. Look, I'm, look, I'm sure it's very, very good. I'm not sure how the inclusion of Aston Martin is is uh, has made it any different, probably. But yep, yeah, no, but great whiskey. It's just an example of something you can't get. Here's another interesting one you can't get outside an airport: Chivas Regal, eighteen year olds, but finished in Mizunura oak casks from japan there you go now that's a blend finished in mizanara um again i've never tasted it i know I but again you know the point is and and the wider point is here consider blends blends are a good option blended malt as well i was talking about that the other day with um, my friend mark gillespie from whiskey cast blended malts are and blends are a valid choice do not not you know, drink them because of the word blend. There's my tip of the day. Missed sort of perception, maybe rightly from a few years ago, but I think yep. now the quality is yeah. just a couple more. Just it's just you have to let people know what's out there. It's just interesting. Glenn Dronach, I've got a ten-year-old uh, named after an area in Aberdeenshire called Forge. Forge. I don't know how you pronounce that. F O R G U E. Ex Sherry Cast, of course, and uh, ah. don't get that outside of the airport. For those Sherry Cast lovers. A lot of people love Glendronach. 
every Glendronach I've had has been a great whiskey, good whiskies. You know, they use Oloroso, they use PX as well, so a little bit different to Tamdu. But, um, oh, look, you know, if you, if you were to mention five sherry cast whiskies, Glendronach would be in there. So, yeah, yeah I'm sure it's great. The Lagavulin 10, it picks up as well. So that's Yeah, I mean, Lagavulin, there's a product that's been dominated by the 16, and the 16 is a legendary whiskey. I love Lagavulin 16. Yeah. I'm sure the 10 is fabulous um, and, again, exclusive to that channel. So if you're a Lagavulin fan or an Isla whiskey fan or just like good whiskey, why would you not pick that up? And just a couple more. He's got a Teeling Explorers 12-year-olds. Teeling doing very well, Gordon. The spirit of Dublin. Yeah, I mean, Teeling's been going for a few years. So if it's a 12-year-old, I think that's probably from the old stocks of Teeling. I don't think it's the new Teeling. Um, again, sure, it's really, really good. Um, and um, Irish whiskey is... You do see a lot of Irish whiskey, and one of my favourites, Connemara, is always well priced in travel retail. Pinderin, we are open. Oh. We'll talk about this maybe later in the series, but their third distillery in Wales has now yes. opened, and they, he picks up the. They've got one called Faraday, named after the guy that designed, uh, oh. they made the whiskey. So Pinderin Faraday only available in the airports. Gordon Pinderin, uh, yeah, I've drunk Pinderin. Um, what's really interesting about Pinderin is it's got a very, very high spirit strength. I think its spirit strength is above 90. So it's getting on to this level, although it's distilled not in a, I think there's an element of, there's a column still and a, a, a sort of pot still. I think I'm not 100% sure, but it's a, it is a very high spirit strength. So how they've developed that and used that with cast to produce these whiskies is, is quite interesting because generally when you're getting up to that strength you may have a little less flavor but i'm intrigued how they how they then use that in in their whiskies so yeah no pinderin oh. is great and the point being is you've already, what you've just chatted there if you've got an hour to spend in an airport my goodness what lovely <laughs> browsing you can do and finally of course they mentioned you cannot talk about travel retail without talking about mccallan and some of their boutiques i was in the one in terminal five recently so they are main big players in the world of travel retail oh, yeah no i mean travel retail is important for mccallan like it is for anybody else and you know they spend pretty big in uh in london with their boutique and uh they have rare whiskies and if you've got the wad yes why not if yeah. you haven't buy something else um you were traveling in asia mm. but you've traveled mm. all over if you're mm. at an airport Top three, top five good airports to buy whiskey at. What's what's good ones? Well, these are. I mean, I think Singapore stands out as probably one of the best. Although I've not been to Singapore Airport for a few years, but it's probably one of the best in terms of the experience of buying whiskey. Um, other ones that are good. Um, Taiwan has a very unique selection of whiskies because of that unique market. You know. In that market, single malt outsells any other type style of whiskey. Um, it's unbelievable. So Taiwan is a good market. And then if we come closer to home, I think um, Heathrow, of course, is good. Um, and in Europe, you know, there's one or two stores. Another one that's actually quite good is Sydney, Australia. Um, you said that then, with an accent, which is unusual. Good eye. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the one, if you said to me, you can go to one airport to buy whiskey. I'd probably go to Singapore. Oh, good. Right, okay. Maybe Hong Kong, but Singapore. And that's... But what's really interesting about travel retail is, and this is what's going to change it, is there's an island off China called Hainan. And Hainan is part of China, but they've made it a travel retail area. So 
all the travel retail sort of rules apply from within China. So what you're getting is a lot of Chinese going to Hainan, still staying in China and then going home again, buying whiskey. And all that money stays in China. So it's becoming the center of travel retail whiskeys. Yeah, that looks, they're pumping a lot of money into that one. That's it, it's very good. And this is the part of the show I should say, if you want to win first class tickets to Singapore, but we don't have the budget. So that's competition is not happening. Uh, speaking of competitions, we're going to do some very shortly, Gordon. We've got a new challenge for you. But let's bring in uh, a new colleague. Gordon, do you want to do yes. the well, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, Michael Brown. Um, good to have Michael on the team. Michael is now going to be out and about and has been out and about doing all of our um, doing all of our sort of ambassadorial work in market. So you'll probably see Michael here and there. Uh, came from Edinburgh Gin. So we've turned him from Edinburgh Gin to whiskey. Um, and he's he's taken to like a duck to water. And um, it's great to have Michael on board. OK, let's speak to him. Welcome to Whiskey Unscripted. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, part of um, your induction, and it wasn't uh, it was by, you know, volunteering, you listened to, I think, every episode. Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a, a tough slog. <laughs> um, I was, I'd sometimes stay on the bus and go past my work just so I could get the extra... That's many minutes. That's yeah, it was it was good chat. It was good chat. <laughs> and Gordon, on that point of listening to, you have had a member of the public email you about where the podcast was. Where, where, where were we? I did. No, it, it, I did. It, I mean, I have had somebody wondering when the next one was coming, and um, it's quite interesting that you know, I, we we do actually have people that listen to this. It's <laughs> quite unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so Michael, how's it been in the first uh, few weeks? Just to paint a picture of being a whiskey ambassador, because it's a job that I think a lot of people can do, would like to do, and yeah, it's that it's it's quite an amazing um job. A lot of people meet me and they say, you know, the first thing you'll probably hear this all the time as well. Wish I could have your job. Um, you know, it's it's a really really fun job to do. Um, it it's been it's been quite it's quite <laughs> quite manic. It's been a lot of traveling. Um, I in my first kind of rains off here you go you're an ambassador i i went to poland for a, a wine and whiskey festival which is absolutely incredible i was in krakow i was in warsaw uh then the week after i was in hamburg uh, and then i felt like i really made it when i i went straight from hamburg to morecambe and i felt like i'm i'm global now uh yeah. so that was really really good a, lo a lovely <laughs> lovely coastal village in, the, in, in in coastal village, coastal town in the UK, but no distillery gardens. That will not be part of our top ten. Um, no, but I can't, we'll just do a top ten seaside distilleries. We are in July. It is summertime in the UK. Oh, so, fantastic! And I'll just I'll just put up Port of Leith Garden, just along the coast from the Edinburgh mm -hmm. Beach. So Port of Leith would be a, 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 another seaside distillery, along with Brora and the Isla ones. So we're getting up there to ten. Mm -hmm. If you get any more, Michael, chuck it in. Yeah, well, uh, Isle of Harris distillery. Oh, yes. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Have they released a whiskey yet? So it's actually, from my understanding, due to be released, I think it's November this year, um, will be their first launch. So obviously they've had the gin for quite a while. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, if you've been to the distillery, you'll know how amazing it is when you're kind of coming into the shore at Harris. It just looks absolutely incredible. So I'm really looking forward to trying it, um, hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, I, we were just discussing earlier in the podcast about 
smaller distilleries who hadn't launched a whiskey and and there's another one. So yeah, yeah, interesting. No, I'm sure it'll be good. I'm sure it'll be good. And yeah, people involved up there. It was just distilleries you can visit with a bucket and speed and a little pair of trunks, and you can go round the distillery, then make a little distillery of sand afterwards. That to me would be with a few drinks, a perfect day. So, October morning. October morning. <laughs> oh yeah. October um, morning. I mean, obviously, all the the ones that we've sort of you know the, I mean, there's. The ones on Aaron as well. I mean, I was all say the Aaron count, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I mean, I think you know, it, it's always interesting when you talk about whiskies and you talk about, you know, people t- you throw the word terroir around yep. a lot in whiskey, and terroir for me is it, it. What does that actually mean? Uh, from a perspective of whiskey, now if you're maturing a whiskey in a warehouse by the sea, it's going to taste different than if you matured a whiskey in the middle of a forest in the middle of Scotland. Those, you know, because over 10 years, you're going to have different influences. There's no doubt. Is that terroir? I don't know. Well, on my travels, Gordon, I went to the Waterford website and there is a link to, uh, I think, a university peer-reviewed subject on terroir that they say proves their terroir. And you go on it and it's a quite a vast sort of uh, academic paper on terroir in Waterford. And it was wonderful. I think it was a sleep. The time you left runway three, it was wonderful, but it's not it's very interesting. And uh, they believe, but it. that's about barley, yeah. And that's the only way I think terroir works in whiskey. And if you want to know more about it, we have an episode with Dr. George Papadopoulos in the, the mm. Athens Bar Show a few seasons ago. Michael probably listened to it about four times. I uh, actually did, yeah, stayed on the number 44 a couple of times for that one. Uh, <laughs> riveting. It was actually really interesting to hear someone who is a complete expert on, I think, wine and whiskey and to hear his relationship between terroir because it's interesting, isn't it? I think I think if you're coming from a wine background, then, then whiskey doesn't have the same relationship with, with terroir as, as it does. But I don't know. It sort of it does as well, you know, like your analogy of leaving the car in the forest and leaving it on the coast. Yeah, you know, those, yeah. Tequila, uh, Michael. Can we? Your background is in cocktails as well. Uh, it is. Gordon, yeah. I think you'll agree with me. On a hot day, sometimes you like to have your whiskey long. Now you did a video, Michael, with a cocktail of Glengoyne. I did, yeah. And a little bit of negative feedback. There's still one or two people out there that don't like single malt being adulterated like that yeah really interesting um my first bit of hate mail um <laughs> i wouldn't say it's people no not at passionate all. about their single malt just don't like to see it diluted um, yeah totally yeah i mean I've, I've had a lot of conversations with even whiskey ambassadors as well a lot of people um you know purists would probably be the best way to describe them they say you, there's nothing you can put into another into a whiskey until it's another whiskey that's the only thing you can really put in to that, I would say that's just one way of drinking whiskey. Um, if you're looking at it as an ingredient, then uh, as an old fashioned, absolutely fantastic. I think the cocktail, the old fashioned, actually probably predates the the usage of the word single malt, um, or certainly as popular as it is now. So it's a very old cocktail anyway. Just explain it. What is the cocktail that, that uh, one you're making? Yes. Yeah, so it's uh, it's sort of like a riff on an old fashioned. Um, uh, so an old fashioned is usually just two shots, traditionally a whiskey. It can be any spirit. Um, so uh, it can be a gin. You can have a gin old fashioned or a tequila old fashioned, but it's usually going to be a bourbon. We've gone for obviously a Glengoyne 12. Um, then it's going to be some bitters. 
as a bartender, it's totally up to yourself as to what you would like to use. Angostura is probably the most famous one, although orange works very, very well with whiskey as well. Um, and then some syrups, some sugar element to it, whether it be sugar cube or kind of a simple syrup or a, a brown sugar. Um, and it's just it's that blueprint that you can utilize to make cocktails. And it's it's just another way of drinking whiskey, you know, and for some people, if they want to be a purist about a single malt, that's totally fine. But for other people that might not be um, kind of as as committed to not putting anything into their whiskey or they're new to whiskey, it's a great way of getting people into drinking uh, drams, which I think is important as well. So, And if you've not had an old-fashioned, I mean, don't knock it till you've not tried it. So, Gordon, you, the, the, the no, debate, I know that people were getting back to Michael and saying this isn't, we're, we're not happy about this, so yeah. that attitude is still out there. For what whatever we say, it's still out there. But but I mean, look, I mean, it's like everything in life, you know. And I think one of the things is you do what you you do what you want to do with a bottle yeah. of whiskey or your drink. If you want to add water, you want to put you know ice, or you want to put diet lilt in it. It's up to you, you know. It, I think that's even maybe worse than normal. <laughs> but but my point, my, my point is, it's totally up to you. I don't, you know, you decide how you drink whiskey. The fact you're drinking it is fabulous, and you shouldn't impose your view on other people. It's up yeah. to up. To, it's like everything in life. It's you know, it's up to you. And um, I, I, you know, I when I was in Taiwan, I drank whiskey with ice so much because it was so warm. When I was um, in Japan, and and I love in hot countries, I love a highball, highball. Um, uh, the benefits of the listeners, he puts his hands above his head, which I believe is a tradition with Gordon Adas and his friends in a Japanese bar. (laughs) Highball. Um, uh, It it, it was during the Rugby World Cup. Um, We were slightly over-refreshed, potentially. Um, Um. but then when you're in Isla in November and it's dark at four o'clock, I want a I want a string a strong whiskey. If I'm on space side, I want I'm standing by the spay, I want a gentle sherry cast tamdu tasty. Yeah. You know, this is why it's such a great product. So, you know, I'm I'm all for mixology. I'm all for um I'm all for, you know, pairings and I'm doing a tasting tonight in the ubiquitous chip in Glasgow. We're doing food pairings and whiskey. Why not? Let's do it. And Michael, uh, if I was saying, you know, for listeners to have a go at a summer cocktail, because some, maybe winter, some people are listening to this other part, but in Northern Europe, where we're broadcasting, summer drink, long, what would you do with whiskey at, at its core? What's a lovely one that's refreshing from your back? Uh, so, I mean, yeah, like you're talking about highballs. Um, they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, you can play on those as well. You can choose another spirit and mixer and... Um, Certainly whiskey and ginger ale works really, really well. It's really refreshing. Lots mm. of really good ice that I think is quite important as well. Um, so you can certainly use the stuff from the freezer if you just make it in your house as well. It's all about, I think, when, you, when you're talking about cocktails and, and that kind of word mixology, um, it's very similar to cooking. Uh, you know, if you're passionate about it, you can learn different techniques. You can learn different flavors that go together very well. I actually don't like the word mixologist. I prefer the term liquid chef. There you go. There you go. Um, I used but... to know a little chef. It was a great place. It did a Olympic breakfast. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about me there for a second. All right. An actual place, right? An Olympic yes. breakfast. Right. Okay. Gordon, we're getting to the end of the show, and I've got yep. a couple of challenges. Um, we love a challenge. And I thought maybe you could keep Mike on here to help you. So you can play this at home, folks. Play this at home. 
Um, I've not got a title for it. Just I struggle sometimes with social media. Uh, I don't mind sometimes. Linking. It's just these linking hashtags, and if you don't know the person you're hashtagging, you've got to go and search. Oh my! It's just anyway. Some people can do the. So I thought hashtag challenge. So I'm going to start off. Just name the distillery, and I'm going to start off with a nice easy one. Gordon, if I was having to sort of do a posting with this distillery, here's my hashtags. Hashtag 1779. Hashtag Lochendal. Boom. Hashtag... Boom. Boom. <laughs> hashtag number one volts. Hashtag Aston Martin. Okay. Nice. So you see where we're going. Yes. So I am doing a posting about this distillery. Hashtag Inchmuren. Hashtag Michael Henry. Hashtag mm. Open Golf. I know, but Michael Bryan, you, you can answer this one. Uh, he's dropped you in. I knew, I knew the Bowmore one, but <laughs> I know this one. Uh, over to Mr. Dundas. Lock Lomond. Lock Lomond's the sponsors of the Open Golf. I think for another five years. Yes, and so, that that starts today. That's right. We're we're we're, we're broadcasting that this sort of the actual day of the Open Golf Championship. Um, and I'm loving the Tour de France, by the way. Loving the Tour de France. Um, so, a summer of sport. Wonderful. Here we go. I'm writing about another distillery, but oh my God, these hashtags are killing me. Hashtags Borodale House. Hashtag Arrow One. Hashtag Alistair Day. Hashtag Macrahanish. That's an interesting one. It's not Macrahanish. I think the first hashtag Borodale House would would maybe be the... Uh, yeah, I, you've got me confused there. I, I know the answer to this one, I think. Yes. I've got no idea. Absolutely no I'd idea. I'd like to stay at Borodale House, but that's the hashtag. Isle of Rassi. It is Isle of oh. Rassi who are opening up or building a distillery. A distillery in, in Campbelltown, yeah. Yes, that's right. And finally, in our hashtag challenge, I'm writing about the distillery, but oh, here we go. In all the social media departments, you have to do this. Hashtag Lowland Malt. Hashtag Ducot. Hashtag Balcomi. Hashtag Weems. Oh, King's Barnes. Boom, 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 boom. He has come in there at the end. Mike Brown, uh, Gordon, go. Mikey, uh, just a quick word King's Barnes, great distillery. Yeah, great story behind it as well, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, great story. Good friends who work there. Um, I don't know how big it is. What's its capacity? I'm not sure. But yeah, no, I've, and I've never been. But no, I must go again. Another distillery I must visit at some point. We got all these uh, lovely invites. But that's that, that challenge. Can you see that working? Can we? Can we? I think that's a that? good one. Thank you. They've got I think a great. We do that again. They've got a great sherry cask, um, King's Barnes, but it's uh, a Solero sherry cask it's very very different to the kind of style that we do with Glengoyne and tam do sort of they put it all into one type thing yeah 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 really. yeah, yeah nice no good so the last part before we head off uh into the july and early august i just don't have to finish with you have arrived at your whiskey destination yay back by popular demand we've had literally an email about it. And before we do that, Gordon, any last shout for Seaside Distilleries? We could potentially, um, we talked about Glenmorangie. Oben. Red, Red Door. Oben. Oben. 
Yes. Seven Door, is it Seven Door? Yeah. Uh, Seven Door Distillery, that's by the sea, isn't it? That is, I'm sure it is by the sea. Uh, Con- controversial because Irish, but Dingle? Dingle whiskey? Dingle. And even Waterford's by the, the, the ocean as well. So yeah. we have got a good few ten. We could possibly put the uh, Dornock Distillery. It's not quite, not quite in the sea, but you can walk to it. So there's a top ten. And now... You have arrived at your whiskey destination. You're <laughs> leaving and Mike on Glasgow. Get onto the M8 mm-hmm. from Port Dundas and Dobie's Loan. That's the A804. You will follow the M80 and the A9 to the A95 in the Highland Council region. Follow the A95 and A94. Past Milbuey's Country Park, past Glenelgan, past Longmorn, and then you will turn right just before Elgin. Turn right again, and it's all I've got. You have reached your whiskey destination. Is it? A914, heading to Elgin. But just after Longmorn, turn right off that road before you hit Elgin. Got it. Is it Balvenie? It's not Balvenie. Does it begin with a B and it's called Ben Riak? You are absolutely correct, Doug. You have arrived at your history estimation. Well, what about Ben Riak? We know a lot of people there. Yeah, we do. Gosh, uh, Ben Riak, uh, part of... Um, part of uh, Brown okay. Foreman, obviously Jack Daniels, they've repacked all their products. Um, they have, um, yeah, no, great, great products. Um, and yeah, look, I think what was interesting about Ben Riak a few years ago is they had a range that was like massive when it was under Billy Walker. They had a range of probably 25 bottles and they've condensed that now. Um, yeah, and, the, and the, yeah. the whiskey as well, Rachel Barry's changed the whiskey. You know Stuart Buchanan as well there, who's a really good friend of the show, good good guy, who's their sort of global ambassador chap, former distillery manager. Great, great, nice, nice whiskies for sure. Great whiskies, and if you want to hear anything uh, more from uh, Mr. Buchanan, I think the last episode on the board the good ship Cinderella about one thirty in the morning. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so listen, we have got the the episode, the podcast episode three, series seven, up and running, Gordon. We are going, and we'll have another episode out much quicker than the last time. But we are back in business. <laughs> I, 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 well, you didn't ask me what I was drinking, by the way. It's a Tamdu Twelve. Uh, ah, there you go. It's a nice breakfast, Rem. Uh, uh, nice. Any comments before we head off? No comments at all. Everybody have a. A, a nice summer. We will continue to produce some content and we well, hope you enjoy it. And uh, we will tell you of our travels. And I think actually just before we go, anybody heading off anywhere nice? In the Whiskey Diary, I've got another festival in Poland at the north, uh, quite oh. close to Gdansk. So yes, it's on a that's beach. a good one. It's like a rock concert and a whiskey festival. It looks like the most rock star thing I think I'll ever do. So right yeah. up your street. I think you'll love that. Yeah, Glen Goyne. I'm doing a wee masterclass for Glen Goyne there as well. Um, so big yeah, fans in Poland, big fans in Poland. Oh yeah, they they like they like whiskey uh, more than vodka now, which is quite surprising. Um, but I don't blame them. So it's a no. It's got it, more flavour. It has got better spirit, um, <laughs> Mr. Dallas. Oh, I've been. Oh, I have been. This has got me out of my 
post-holiday depression. I was in the Majorca or Mallorca in the Balearics. Very, very lovely islands. Very hot in the Mediterranean. If you buy a beach, buy a pool, sipping something cold, you can survive. And luckily, I did. And I drove past Mr. Bezos's yacht, which is harboured in Palma. Uh, so one of the most expensive yachts in the world, Palma Harbour. Uh, but suddenly I wouldn't allow on it for some reason. Security, I don't, I don't understand. So you're not well, a prime member. I thought that, yeah. <laughs> Yourself, Gordon. Well, no, I'm, we've been sort of busy and doing stuff. We've got a few things coming up, like the Tamdu Dedication Day, which is going to be in about a month's time. And I'm off to China between there and between now and then. So I'm going to Guangzhou, which is just over the border from Hong Kong, ending up in Shanghai. So that will be interesting. I've not been in China for about four years, so um, a little bit of China action, and then uh, back for a bit of Tamdu stuff and Glengoyne things, and yeah, all good. So and we'll we catch up with Michael Rennie, we'll catch up with Sandy, we'll catch up with other people in the whiskey uh, industry, so Absolutely. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Mike, welcome on board. The good Thank ship you I&D, and you're on the podcast that you've listened to uh, for 60-odd episodes. <laughs> you've made it now, Michael. Made okay, it. Okay, that's the music. <laughs> Goodbye. Podcast. Goodbye. In good company To end it this way Since 1833 Staying ahead On the whiskey trail Oh, staying ahead On the whiskey trail